0: on Local Now, Channel 525. You can do what you want to us, but we're not going to sit here and listen to you bad-mouth the United States of America! Gentlemen! <laughs>
2: This is the Weekend Answer Show. Garrett Faye, Jim Rickheimer breaking down the biggest stories of the week. Hope you had a great week. It's Labor Day weekend, so whatever you're doing, hope you're having a good time. Hope you're safe. Hope you're celebrating, having a little break from work, some time with family. We are talking about a ton, including the unfolding debacle in Afghanistan. What's going to happen now that American troops are out, but Americans and our allies, the Afghans, are still trapped there. Joe Biden defends his decision, but how's that going to work out for him? Also, uh, dealing with some issues with COVID. Again, the COVID uh, vaccine, vaccine has been approved and so what's that going to mean for mandates also the Biden education department is opening an investigation into states that are banning mask mandates why are they doing that what's that going to look like also the ballots have started to be returned for the california recall election who's turning in their ballots are the democrats going to win or could newsom actually be recalled and then some big news out of texas this last week where texas passes a common sense election reform bill democrats are crazy about and then even bigger news on the abortion front the supreme court refuses to block a texas fetal heartbeat bill we'll get into all that and a whole lot more but the biggest story of the week is obviously afghanistan the american American troops pulled out. Biden tries to defend his decision, but all week long he's on defense because there are still Americans trapped there. We still have tons of Afghans trapped there. It also looks like um, when the troops left, they left a lot of the service dogs there. Horrible situation. Biden's still on defense.
1: Well, and, and I mean, the, 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 the worst of it is the 13 Americans dead. Um. No real reason. Now we're finding out we had information that this was going to happen. I mean, all sorts of things that did not have to happen if we did an orderly withdrawal like we've done many other times. World War II, we did it. Nobody was chasing us out the door. Here we're in a situation where we're being chased out of the place. We're being like like bum-rushed out of the place, and, and we're not doing anything about it. We're not using our power. We've got a president of the United States that had options and opportunities to make sure we get more people out. He didn't. Um, To listen to the generals talk the other day about, well, you know, we kept on asking for people to come, but, you know, they just couldn't get to the airport. It's like they couldn't get their freaking Uber. I mean, this is just the most outrageous thing that's ever happened. We have hundreds of Americans, if not thousands of Americans. We definitely have uh, special uh, visa people that should be here thousands of those that are stuck, that cannot get out. And all you're hearing is the gunshots and the the firing of where they're going into people's homes, finding out that they were translator and killing them in front of their family.
2: Yeah, and this is one of those things where President Biden's trying to defend it. He's trying to say, no matter what the exit looked like, it would have been bad. JJ, let's play clip one of President Biden this last week.
0: Now, some say we should have started mass evacuation sooner. And couldn't this have have been done in a more orderly manner? I respectfully disagree. Imagine if we would begun evacuations in June or July, bringing in thousands of American troops and evacuating more than 120,000 people in the middle of a civil war. There still would have been a rush to the airport, a breakdown in confidence and control of the government. And it still would have been very difficult and dangerous mission the bottom line is there is no evacuation, evacuation from the end of a war that you can run without the kinds of complexities, challenges, threats we faced. None. It's just
1: spin. I mean, in June or July, the Taliban didn't control Kabul. They just didn't. Yeah, they were, the the they, airport or, they, Bagram or Bagram Air Bagram Base. Or any, they, they didn't control Kabul. They were out there taking other areas, but they weren't in the city yet. And if you had gone in June or July, we would have gotten ahead of them. But we didn't know it was going to fall so fast. We didn't know this was going to happen. We didn't know that was coming. That's why you have contingency plans. And as far as, you know, if we had more troops there, we would have got them out. Guess what? The people in the troops that we had that we brought extra in, guess what? We got them all out, except for the 13 that died and we got them out the wrong way. But, I mean, I mean, bottom line, we know how to get troops out. The issue is how do you get Americans out? How do you get people that are supportive of you out? You get them out when you can. You start moving it you get it done. Oh, it would have been a rush to the airport. Oh, it would have been real tough. There would have been long lines. This guy is absolutely un- ridiculous, and all we're seeing the White House doing right now is let's go to the next subject. They had the generals on uh, this last week. Talking about it's horrible and these great people and how hard they worked and our staff and getting everybody out and all that. And we just want to look forward. Can we just move forward? Let's move forward. I'm not ready to move forward. I am not ready to move forward whatsoever. The worst thing we have here is we got this president for the next three and a half years who actually pulls the strings of what happens in the military. There's no doubt that the Pentagon did not want to do this. But basically, the boss tells them to do it, you do it. And now, of course, these generals are are covering up for their boss.
2: And the reason why we can't move forward is because things are still a mess. And as Biden admitted this last week, we're still entirely reliant on the Taliban to help get out remaining Americans and our Afghan allies. JJ, let's play clip two.
0: The Taliban has made public commitments broadcast on television and radio across Afghanistan on safe passage for anyone wanting to leave, including those who worked alongside Americans. We don't take them by their word alone, but by their actions. this It's, it's so ridiculous. Think about what we just said. They say they'll allow safe passage. We know
1: today they're killing those people. We know they're going to their homes and they're killing those people. We know they're not letting anybody get to an airport. I mean, there's no place to fly out now. And they're not letting them leave the country so that's it. There's a brain drain that's happening there. I mean, who's going to run this country right now? They, they, who, who's going to be the air traffic controllers? I mean, this thing is a freaking mess. And for him to come on and just say, well, they, they don't always promise. They did it on TV. I, in fact, you know what, Garrett? I saw it on social media. Right? Social media, they said, hey, we're going we're to be very, very good. No problem. We take care of you. Give me a break.
2: Yeah. One of the worst clips of the week came from the White House National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, Who's talking about how he's going to be reaching stranded Americans. Jay, play that clip, clip number
0: seven. We will work through any American who's still in the country, just as we did for the last two weeks. We'll call them, we'll email them, we'll WhatsApp them. They can talk to us about how to create a plan and execute on that plan.
1: I'm telling you, they didn't do TikTok. <laughs> If they had TikTok is the hottest thing going. If they had done TikTok, I mean, I mean, you were making the comment. What, what do you do when they show up to your door with M16s? They're going to blow your brains out. You pull out your WhatsApp and say, "Oh, everything's good. Use my WhatsApp." Yeah, all it's going to allow people to do is broadcast
2: uh, the Taliban's ruthlessness. Right. And so it's like, hey, yeah, I'm going to, you know, t- I'm going to email or Facebook chat some pinhead at the State Department. And what's the response going to be?
1: It's going to be. Um, well, we're going to rely on the Taliban to get you out. No, 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 no. You put likes on it. <laughs> you click on likes. You put on likes. You put 100%. You say that it is, it is bizarre. You know, uh, Jake Sullivan, White House National Security, is out there saying we're going to use WhatsApp well, and what's to get so, people
2: out. And what's so stupid is let's say you use social media. Why wouldn't the Taliban just fall over and social Follow media? you too. And then when you say you want to get out, they, they'll just come to your house and kill you.
1: Right. Right, and they just look at, or they get your phone, and they and they open it up and they look at you doing what? I mean, it's just it's just so ridiculous. These people in Washington D.C. who go out to their their lunches and and whatever, it's just a joke what they're doing there. Coming up, the EU cracking down on American tourists, and the Biden Education Department investigating states that ban mask mandates for schools. Be right back.
2: Hey everyone, welcome back. It's the Weekend Answer Show. Garrett Fay, Jim Righeimer. I do business and election law. I used to work on Capitol Hill. Riggy used to be the mayor of the great city of Costa Mesa, California. Talking about the biggest stories of the week. Finishing up with Afghanistan, then moving on to some education issues. And Riggy, I think one of the things that's again made people so mad about this whole thing is the fact that Biden promised to get out every American who wanted to get out. And yet we knew that was not going to happen because he stuck to this artificial deadline of August 31. That came and went. And we have Americans still trapped. And we know one of the things that's most galling is you've got school-age children who were trapped there. Uh, Last week we talked about kids from San Diego. This week it's 24 kids from a Sacramento area. Schools are still stranded in Afghanistan. The Taliban would not let them go to the airport which is not surprising because the Taliban doesn't give a crap about anyone's rights or ability to get out. So when Biden comes out and goes, oh, we're working with the Taliban, they're going to, you know, they promise safe passage. And then National Security Advisor says, oh, well, we're going to be communicating people via WhatsApp and texting and emailing. It doesn't matter if the Taliban won't won't let you get to the airport, and yet kids can't get to the airport to get out.
1: Well, and I can't figure out who's the 120,000. There's 5,000 Americans. There's a couple thousand of these special visas translators. And then there's another 100,000 more that we have no idea. They were thoroughly vetted? How do you thoroughly vet 100,000 people? You don't. And then you've got all these other people who got to the airport or got into the airport – Who were sent back these are all people that you know listen to me i'm just i'm just a a stupid guy from orange county california okay first vetting if a person can speak english i got a clue they're with the americans i could be wrong but I'll take that as the first as the first cut, right? Yeah. So you have all these American-speaking Afghans who get to the thing and say, no, you can't come in. Yeah, you know, we've got 100,000 people. We have no clue who they are. And we, we're, now we're saying we need translators all over the country because apparently we didn't bring back translators. We brought back all these people that don't even speak the language. Yeah, the Biden
2: administration was sort of patting itself on the its back this last week about how massive this airlift was. And there's never been like this in history. It's like, well, don't celebrate you know, defeat. This is ridiculous. But- um, they're settling people all across the country. They don't know who most of them are, and yet those who were loyal to us and who have been vetted are still stuck in Afghanistan. One of the worst things that came out this last week, again, White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan was asked a question on MSNBC. Who is the Taliban? Are they our enemy or not? JJ, let's play that clip.
0: Just on those lines, what is the Taliban? Are they now our frenemy? Are they our adversary? Are they our enemy? Are they our, what are they? Well, it's hard to put a label on it, in part because we have yet to see what they are going to be now that they are in control, physical control of Afghanistan.
1: I mean, really? They were a certain way for 20 years. Now this week, oh, we got a country to run. We're going to start. They're going to put on nice suits, and they're going to, you know, have nice cars, and they're going to run the place. They're going to be the same people they were before, shooting and murdering people in the streets. Let me tell you something about Afghanistan. the 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 literacy rate in the world averages eighty four percent. Eighty four percent worldwide literacy. Afghanistan thirty four percent. Okay, these people out in the country don't speak English. Did you see the video of them of our troops trying to train their troops? They couldn't do a jumping jack. Okay, so listen. I feel bad. That's horrible and everything else. He should have – Biden should have worked on getting our people out with our military in place because guess what? Our military, as we just saw, knows how to fall back, get in the C-17s and get out and not get hurt. And we could have been there and gotten people out, but no, we didn't want to do that. Now these are our our, our frenemies. Really?
2: Yeah, I mean this this goes to sort of a worldview problem of not even understanding who the Taliban is given that the Taliban – is the organization that gave safe harbor to al-Qaeda, to Osama bin Laden, who who planned the 9-11 attacks from his cave in Afghanistan. So the Taliban is now going to run Afghanistan, and no one knows what's going to happen, but it's not going to be good. Now, the other news that came out of this week uh, from the Biden administration involving education, not only are Afghan women and children no longer educated, but the um, Department of Education, under Education Secretary Cardona, has launched civil rights probes against five Republican-led states that banned mask mandates in public schools. Here's the quote from the Secretary of Education. He said, quote, The Department has heard from parents across the country, particularly parents of students with disabilities and underlying medical conditions, about how state bans on universal indoor masking are putting their children at risk and preventing them from accessing in-person learning equally, end quote. The Office of Civil Rights of the Department of Education will investigate Whether states in question have violated Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act of 73 and Title II of the ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990. And, Riggy, they're going after Oklahoma, South Carolina, Iowa, Tennessee, and Utah, which is interesting. They did not go after Florida and Texas yet, but it will be doing that. And the basic gist of this is these governors signed laws or passed executive orders saying no mask mandates. Now Biden is going after them. I don't think this is going to be a win for the Biden administration given that really what these bans do is enable parents to decide what's right for their own kid.
1: Well, not only that, is is it a, are they saying you can't wear a mask? No, they're saying you can't make a mandate that you have a mask. To me, That'd be the opposite thing of like, no, I don't want to wear a mask and you go argue that I should because you've got some medical proof that I'm supposed to. Studies are coming out now showing that the the distinction between groups that wore masks and didn't wear masks in schools is de minimis. There's really no change in it whatsoever where you wore a mask or you didn't wear a mask because the fact of the matter is um, the masks don't stop you from from getting it or giving it. As such, you're going to get it or give it if you're with inf- somebody breathing back and forth and they have it, the chances y'all you'll get it. With the Delta variant, it's more likely that you'll get it. And is it good to have the vaccine? Yes, it's good to have the vaccine. But again, they got us talking about this. Why? Because we left hundreds and hundreds of people and thousands of people in Afghanistan. They want to change the story. Think about this. We're spending federal dollars to sue states over a mask? Go do something that's important. Didn't we have a hurricane this last week? Didn't we have flooding? Go work on something that matters to people out there, not these stupid things. What's interesting about this whole issue, though,
2: is the Biden administration has realized that parents across the spectrum, politically, I'm sure polling shows this, want their kids in school. And so Biden put out a statement on Monday. He said, quote, it's simply unacceptable that state leaders are putting politics over the health and education of the students they took an oath to serve. The department will fight to protect every student's right to access in-person learning safely and the rights of local educators to put place, put in place policies that allow all students to return to the classroom full-time, in-person, safely this fall. So what you have there is a recognition that students are supposed to be in school, right. learning, right. and local educators can decide – those are the exact rationales that are driving the California recall. We'll talk about that next segment, but it's interesting because I think Biden's people have realized, hey, listen, all this cow with teachers' unions last year, this didn't get us anywhere, and well, parents are not putting up with
1: it. Not only that, but remember what they have in their back pocket. Even in conservative places like here in Orange County, California and other conservative places – the school boards, for the most part, are run by the left. The Democrats run the school boards. The teachers' unions run the school board. Because most parents, if everything's kind of going good and Johnny and Mary and Jose are getting to class and everything's fine, nobody does anything about it. You don't realize they got gay pride flags up in their in their classroom when they're teaching Black Lives Matter stuff and everything else. Now you're starting to see that. So they know in the, in, in the end they'll get a lot of school boards, Call these woke A member is going, oh, no, we have to have masks because our children need to be safe. When parents are going, it doesn't make a difference. If you show me some numbers that it makes a difference, then maybe we'll do something about it. But I don't see anything that makes it any different. Well, the other thing is I think some of these people, these educators who are more activist and educator
2: have realized – It's really hard to brainwash kids when they're at home on Zoom and their parents can watch what we're doing. (laughs) Good good point. And so we need them back in the classroom where we can brainwash them away from their parents.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. let's, Let's get this over with. We don't want to do that anymore. Coming up, the recall is in two weeks. How things are looking. Come right back.
2: All right, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is the Weekend Answer Show. We're glad you're with us. Happy Labor Day weekend. Wherever you are listening, however you are listening, hope you and your families are safe and well and having a good weekend. Remember, you can catch a show on the podcast, so if you miss it on the morning on AM 870 or AM 590, just go to the uh, Google Play or the App Store, wherever you get your podcast, or, heck, just go on Google or Bing – For those of you who use Bing, Bing sucks. I don't know why Microsoft even launched that. But go there. You can search for Weekend Answer. You can find the podcast. You can download it. You can subscribe. If you hate us, email it at weekendanswer.gmail.com. Appreciate your emails. Talking about some local issues. And, Riggy, obviously the biggest story in California of the last couple of years, probably the biggest story politically since 2003, is the impending recall vote for Governor Gavin Newsom. Ballots are out. Ballots are in the mail. People have received their ballot. If you haven't received your ballot – here's a public service announcement. If you have not received your ballot, you can go online. You can track your ballot. Most counties – You can go on the Registrar of Voters website. You can put in your information, track your ballot. Also, the Secretary of State has a way to track your ballot. If you see some shenanigans, call the Secretary of State. Call the Registrar of Voters. Also, some political parties have set up um, election integrity uh, websites where you can report shady instances of things. If you see that, say something. But the early returns have started to come in, and given that there's so many more Democrats in the state, Riggy, it looks like the early, early, early numbers show that more ballots have come in for Newsom – but the key point is that it's still early and there's a huge enthusiasm gap and two critical voting blocks appear not to be voting in large numbers
1: so far. Well, first of all, let's just go through the L.A. Times had the stories in here. Here's what the numbers were. Nearly 4.7 million Californians have cast ballots, so 4.7 million. Returns show that the Democrats are turning out in, in numbers. Two and a half million uh, have cast ballots So of the 4.7, two and a half – uh, million of them, so over half are, are from Democrats compared to only 1.1 from Republicans. But here's the difference Los Angeles County, the largest state, is lagging by 16.5% of voters have returned their ballots compared with the rates of the high 20s in counties like Marin, San Francisco, Sonoma. So what's happening is, is Democrat counties that are Democrat strongholds are turning more in. What will happen is other counties and and listen, my ballot's still sitting on the counter. My wife and i haven 't turned it in. We always bring ours in either drop it off day of or we 'll go ahead and you know do it right before, but you know we we, we kind of sit on it, so once they turn in those ballots, then they 're in so it 's just a matter of the Republicans getting the voter turnout what we 're also seeing is that the Republicans this time are doing a, a ballot harvesting program. you know they say they are let 's see what happens it 's a lot of work. But they're basically emailing, texting, going to people and going to their houses and picking up their ballots saying, hey, we, you know, here we got to vote because you've got these crazy laws that anybody can turn the ballot. Remember, before you couldn't, only your family or somebody in your household could turn your ballot. Now, anybody can. So the Republicans are got off their duff here and said, hey, we're going to start collecting ballots and we'll deliver them. Now, the glimmer of good news is who's actually turned in their ballot.
2: According to the LA Times story here, seniors, those age 65 and older, are 23 percent of the electorate. They've cast 40% of the vote, and they tend to be more conservative. Young adults ages 18 to 34 are the largest age-based voting bloc at 28% of registered voters. But this is the important part. They are responsible for just 14% of the ballots cast thus far. And Latino voters who tend to be younger are also underperforming. LA Times notes that they make up more than a quarter of the electorate. They represent less than a fifth of the people who have returned their ballots. Now – what is the recall effort's hope? The recall effort hope is to get all the Republicans, you know, a sizable number of the independents, and maybe a sliver of Democrats. We'll to get vote more than a sliver.
1: Yeah, and I this, think now we'll get more than a sliver.
2: And we know that we will because the recall signature percentage was more than thirty percent of people who signed the recall uh, petition were not registered Republicans. We know that. Right. That's just the number. So if that number holds for the actual vote, there's a good chance. And as we talked about on this show you know, before, there's a real enthusiasm gap for Governor Gavin Newsom because part of the thing is while California is overwhelmingly Democrat, California has a lot of problems. We talked about homelessness. We've seen wildfires last two weeks. I have a good buddy who lives up in Tahoe. The smoke has been hellacious over there. He's on the Nevada part, but even people in Nevada are starting to hate Gavin Newsom because his administration has done next to nothing – to deal with the wildfires. You've got homelessness, you've got wildfires, you've got poverty, you've got the uh, unemployment scandal, you've got all kinds of issues happening. And this guy is basically asleep at the switch talking about the California comeback, saying California is roaring back. And yet, Riggy, by every metric, California is not roaring back; it's really sliding
1: into oblivion. It's roaring back if you're a billionaire in Silicon Valley. I mean, when you look at raw data and dollars, the governor is correct. We're we're smoking through. We got revenue coming into the state. We got business going crazy and all that. Yeah, because Apple does well, and because Uber does well, and because uh, Google does well and Facebook. Yeah, they all do well, and then and they bring a lot of dollars in, but they bring it into these, you know. People worth $50 billion. They don't do anything for the average, hardworking, middle-class person who made California the dream. I mean, people came here to California. We, obviously, we have the weather. It's fantastic, but there were jobs. We used to have the defense contractors. You, you could have a high school education and get a good job, You know, f- feed your family, buy a house. Nowadays, I mean, I look in my, my neighborhoods around me and stuff. To, to buy a house – and what was a middle class neighborhood that I live in now? Middle class neighborhood, you've got to be, you know, a, a, a lawyer and a doctor and, and two household income to even move into the neighborhood. And these are nineteen, you know, sixty two homes. This isn't any, any like rocket neighborhood. So people are are leaving the state. So my gut's telling me that that especially now that we have Larry Elder, because remember I've always said. People will vote for the recall because they don't like them. They want to do something about it. But in the end, you've got a big chunk of people that say, I need to vote for somebody. Yeah, you need someone to vote for.
2: And 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 there are a number of people, I think, for whom they will vote for the recall out of protest. Right. But but to win and to put someone in there, you need to have someone who's riling up the base, who has enthusiasm, who's bringing people together. And so – for better or for worse, that person is Larry Elder. Now, we like Larry. You know, he's a talk show host. He's been on Salem forever. He's been on L.A. radio forever. Very bright guy, a lawyer, very accomplished, You know, best-selling author. He made his movie Uncle Tom. He's a filmmaker as well, and he's inspired a lot of confidence. He started doing a lot more events where he's talking about what he would do as governor, and so I think what has the Democrats worried is, oh… Not only is there enthusiasm to get rid of Gavin Newsom, there's now this increasing
1: enthusiasm to put Larry Elder in. And that's an important difference. Yeah, I mean, what person, liberal, who ever, who watches him for the first time and sees him, don't go, I kind of like the guy. He's, a, be, he's very likable and very smart. Yeah, and, and, and he's got facts and he puts them out to you. And you might disagree with them, but you kinda of go, ah, he's a he's a pretty good guy. I don't see our governor talking that way. I don't see our governor getting things done.
2: No, and Gavin Newsom is just coming across as angry. I and mean, when you start rolling out ads by Joe Biden, who's underwater, I mean, uh, there's polling this like this last week, fifty two percent of Americans, according to a new poll, want Biden to resign. But they don't want him to resign if Kamala Harris is well, going to be think there? think about that. This, that. That's not
1: just like favorable, unfavorable. Right. That, that's should that's he to, resign. Should he resign? Right. That is just so off the charts. And the only thing that's saving him is Kamala Harris. People are going, oh, my God, we'd rather have the devil we know than the devil we don't know because she's completely incompetent. Right. You know, and we don't know who's around, I mean, can you who does she have around her? I'd like to see who her staff is. a bunch of California people that went up and down with it having a clue where the White House is.
2: Well, what's interesting is if you look at what's going on in the country on the biggest issues at play. Kamala's nowhere to be found, who well, she's nowhere, be. and yet that's who Gavin Newsom's going to roll out to endorse him
1: well, and they yeah and there' and there's there's there's, there's nothing they can get out of it. They think that she's there. She, can she go bring out the base? I don't know. Maybe the base. But they're already voting for him. I yeah. Mean, that's just basically what it is. Now,
2: now, before we end, just real quick, you want to see where your ballot's at? California.ballottrax.net.
1: California.ballottrax.net. And you can find out if your ballot has gotten turned in or not. Texas passes a common sense election reform bill, and the Supreme Court refuses to block a Texas fetal heartbeat bill. Be right back.
0: You know that I
2: Hey, everyone. Welcome back. This is The Weekend Answer Show. Garrett Fay, Jim Righeimer, breaking down the biggest stories of the week, covering all the important national, political, legal, sometimes religious issues, what's happening in the culture, what's happening in law and politics. One of the biggest things that's been playing out over the last couple of weeks and months is these unfolding decisions dealing with abortion. Various states have passed various restrictions on abortion, either moving up the timeline saying you can't have an abortion after a certain number of weeks or uh, – in instituting certain requirements, like saying abortion providers have to have admitting privileges at hospitals or they have to have abortion clinic be located a certain distance from a hospital, the Supreme Court has already agreed to hear next term that is the term starting in October of two thousand and twenty one a Mississippi law that bans abortions after 15 weeks. And so what that's going to mean is oral argument will either be in the fall or the spring. A decision will likely come next June. That's June of 2022, right in the middle of election season for the midterms. But the news this last week was that Texas passed a law that bans most abortions after six weeks. Now, this
1: is interesting because... To get into a little bit of legal weeds here. What's, yeah, do this because you've had to explain this to me. The distinct – I mean Texas really threaded this thing. on Well, t- Texas did
2: a couple of things. Number one, over the last almost 50 years, what the Supreme Court has said on abortion is states can only regulate abortions after viability. And so what that means is pre-viability of the baby. States States cannot regulate abortions and cannot place what the Supreme Court said is an undue burden on the abortion right. Well, what Mississippi said is screw viability. We're going to 15 weeks. And then Texas said, "I see your 15 weeks. I'm raising that to six weeks." So these Which is lo- the heartbeat. Basically, wh- this is the heartbeat bill because oftentimes heartbeats are detected as early as six weeks. And so what these states are saying is, we are directly going after the central premise of Roe versus Wade and the and the ability of states to regulate um, abortion pre viability. Now they're saying we're going to regulate abortion from the minute we hear a fetal heartbeat. And so that's interesting because, again, this is a threat to Roe versus Wade Riggy. but what Texas did with its law, which is very different and sort of creative and enrages the left, is Texas said we're going to ban abortions after six weeks, but the state of Texas is not going to enforce it. And so you can't sue Texas as a governor or the, the, the government or state officials. Rather, we're going to give the enforcement power over this law to any private citizen inside or outside of Texas. And you can sue – you can't sue the mom, but you can sue the doctor. You can sue anyone who assists in someone in getting an abortion. And here's what's really crazy in terms of a legal structure. If you sue those people and you win, the plaintiff who wins gets $10,000 and recovers their attorney's fees, whereas the loser, the abortion provider or someone who helps facilitate the access to abortion, even if they win, you know what they get? They get zero, no attorney's fees, no damages. So where, what happened this last week? Well, abortion rights supporters – went to the Supreme Court and asked the Supreme Court to stop this law from taking effect because it was going to go into effect at midnight on Wednesday. The Supreme Court, by a five to four vote, said no. That means the abortion law in Texas is going into effect. And this has raised holy hell with abortion supporters. Biden's all mad about it. You know The left and Planned Parenthood are going crazy. And, Riggie, what's interesting is this is really teeing it up, and this is going to cause other states, I think, to pass similar bills and put this issue squarely before voters – before the midterm elections next year.
1: Well, and, and what they did is what the left has been using all over the place because the, the, the left is, is in cahoots with the trial lawyers, the people that sue you. And so they pass these laws that say, listen, we're going to have – instead of the uh, issues that the attorney general would normally do or the state's attorney general would normally bring lawsuits, they allow private – Attorneys to bring it. They and they have to get permission, but they have to go first and and ask and say, hey, we think this is a case that you should take. But if you don't take it, we'll take it, and the private sector takes it. And it's very thorough because it just knocks people out of want not want to fight it. Well, Texas used that rule basically. Oh, we'll get the, we'll get the trial lawyers <laughs> and think about it, all the lefty trial lawyers. What are they going to do here? Well, I can't really sue. What what would my other lefty people think? You know, I mean, it's like. So, but they, what they've done is they just turned it on its head. The, the the Texas used what the liberals have always used: let let's sue people into oblivion and make their costs so high that they won't go ahead and fight it. But hey, you know, but 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 if you, you don't want to, don't worry about it. Yeah. What's so interesting about this is the way this came to the Supreme Court was
2: not the normal process of filing a petition for certiorari, full briefing, oral argument. It was this emergency petition. And the vote in f- to let the law stand was 5-4. Five justices uh, voted in favor of letting it happen. They issued a written opinion that was not signed, meaning no no one claimed credit for the opinion. And the dissent was the three liberals plus Chief Justice John Roberts. He dissented on procedural grounds saying, I would have stayed the enforcement of this law … while the cases work their way through the court. so
1: there Procedural. Will, procedurally. He there, never does that, does he? No, that,
2: that, I mean, that's his thing. That's all he ever does. He doesn't want to in marriage. I'm not against marriage. it. I'm not
1: for it or against it. I'm just going to say I'm procedural right. so I'm going to kill it. Yeah, so
2: what, what? where this is going big picture is there will be lawsuits challenging this law. But again, other states are going to follow suit because they're going to see from the Supreme Court a green light to at least pass laws like this. Again, there's always going to be more lawsuits on the state and federal level. This issue will work its way up to the Supreme Court. Again, the Supreme Court is going to hear arguments in the Mississippi case banning abortion after 15 weeks. Um, But what does this mean for Texas? Well, Texas has about 24 abortion clinics down from roughly 40, which were in 2013. But as of now, what's going to happen is there's going to be a lot fewer abortion clinics open – Because if you have to get an abortion only up until six weeks, the reality is a lot of women don't even know they're pregnant at six weeks. But again, when the fetal heartbeat is detected, that's the point at which Texas is saying we're not allowing any more abortions. So that's what's happening in Texas. Again, we talked about what's happening in Mississippi. And, Riggie, this is interesting because I think Democrats always think this is an issue of, oh, you know, my body, my choice. That argument isn't working with vaccines. People who don't want vaccines are saying my body, my choice. But the other thing that's really undermining, I think, the Democrat narrative here is what we've done in Afghanistan is abandon women and children to the Taliban. So when you have Biden saying we're going to stand up for women and children in this country and you know abortion is reproductive health, it's kind of like – which is it? You're either going to support women and children all the way around or you're not. And I think what's happening in Afghanistan really undermines sort of the pro-choice argument here.
1: Well, I mean, all the – you just brought up the, the COVID thing opened that wide open. It's like I can do whatever I want with my body, but the government can stick a needle in my arm if I don't want it to. And again, I, I'm a supporter of the vaccine, but it's – for the government to come in, the biggest problem that's happened with all these type of laws is when you force people to do something, they just push back. And it's just it's just a human reaction. Hell. It, it, if I pull the, the the dog toy out of my dog, he pulls back. I mean, it's just a reaction people have. Don't try to force people to do something. Convince people. Yeah, Convince people.
2: Now, the other big news out of Texas this week is that the Texas legislature, after a lot of delays by Democrats, including when the Democrat House members, members of Texas Democratic House, they did that PR stunt a few weeks back where they all got on a private plane with no masks and flew to D.C. for fundraisers and cocktail parties to protest this election reform bill. Well, Texas finally passed this election reform bill, uh, it's going to go to the desk of Governor Greg Abbott, a Republican, who's going to sign the bill. And Texas Democrats have said what they say by every uh, reform bill, which is this is voter suppression. What would it do? Well, it would roll back drive through and 24 hour voting. It would require voters to authenticate their identity on absentee ballots, praise God. It would ban public officials from sending unsolicited mail in ballots, like what California has done. It would crack down on paid ballot harvesting, which we have here in California. And it would mandate that all voting systems have a paper trail on or before 2026. And, Riggy, what's so great about this is this is going to go into effect. Other states are going to follow suit. And after all the Democrat caterwailing about, oh, how awful this is, this is voter suppression, a common sense bill becomes law. And thankfully, this is going to happen. I think this is going to provide a model to what other states can and should do as they look to 2022,
1: 2024 and beyond. Well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you got to understand that minority, especially if, if you have your, your, your skin tone is darker, if you're brown or you're black, these, you can't vote. <laughs> because it's, you're too stupid to figure it out. Because you, that's what they're saying. They're saying basically, and, and my favorite one was, we don't, we don't allow you to drop off all over the place. You can drop it off in your mailbox. You can put it in your freaking mailbox and people get out all oh, the, these are voter suppression, this is all this stuff that's going to make it so that we can't vote, and it, it just it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But you know, hey, well, you know, w- w- what are you going to do? What are you going to do? The same people who
2: require who are saying you have to get vaccinated, never knows you have to show ID to get vaccinated. They're saying you might be smart enough to find your ID when it comes to getting the COVID shot, but you're too much of a moron to find your ID when it comes to voting. I don't think so. All right, well, or
1: to go to a football game. Well, you can, well there you, you go. You can, you can find your your QR code to show that you're vaccinated. Well, and everyone can find their ID when it's time to buy booze. Let's yes. be honest. Yeah, no, it's fine. Coming up, some good news for your Labor Day weekend. Be right back.
2: Weekend Answer Show, Garrett Fade, Jim Righimer, talking about big stories. Now we're talking about some good stories,
1: and Riggy got a great story out of all the chaos of Afghanistan. Get us started. Well, there's two stories here, basically, about the private sector and people donating to get people out. We've, we've talked about this mess that we've had with the, the government, you know, sending people back, whatever. Glenn Beck... Um, uh, radio, television host, who has been a long-time conservative Christian, uh, went out to his audience and says, we need to get money to get planes to get people out, especially Christians, because Christians are going to be killed. We know that already. In three days, he raised $22 million. A few days later, he raised $28 million. Now, if you watch the videos of of the the jets taking off out of Afghanistan, you probably noticed a bunch of white jets that weren't the C-17s. Glenn Beck leased twenty seven fifty sevens went in, got got over 7,000 people out, 7,000 people out. Think about this for a second. There, there's, there's no anti-missile uh, stuff on these 757s. Think of the pilots, the balls of these pilots to go flying into a war zone, pick up people and get the hell out of here, all done by the private sector within a matter of days. And, of course, those 7,000 people I'm sure Joe Biden took credit for. Probably did, but yeah, kudos to Glenn Beck. And as Glenn noted, a lot of
2: private sector companies, a lot of nonprofits made it happen. Again, yeah, a lot of balls to go in there, but they got out thousands of people who otherwise would have been left to die. So kudos to Glenn Beck, the pilots, and all those nonprofits that made that happen. Next good news story this also comes from Afghanistan. Interesting name called the Pineapple Express. What's Operation Pineapple Express? Well, a former Army Green Beret turned social studies teacher named Zach Lois, he and other Afghan v- – or veterans of the Afghan war banded together as Task Force Pineapple to establish a Pineapple Express pipeline to Kabul's airport and other parts of the country that is has worked to get more than a 1,000 people – to safety, including American citizens, Afghan special forces soldiers and government officials and other foreign nationals. What this guy did is they helped develop an underground, underground railroad of sorts, and it's special operations personnel coaching, teaching, guiding, and advising in most cases to get their special operations brothers that we served without – The government was at first not helping. Now they've actually come around. They've started helping. What they're doing is communicating with people in Afghanistan, helping them get around Taliban checkpoints, getting them to the airport, and getting them out. And this guy says – Lois says Tax Force Pineapple is looking at all options all over the board and is trying to get creative. And the biggest thing is they don't want to leave anyone behind because Biden said he wouldn't leave anyone behind. We now know he did, but Riggy. Great story of former military guys wanting to protect their former brothers in arms, and they're doing it in a really creative way. and They're getting people out by you know hundreds and, I, and, and if, thousands. And it's amazing. I, and if
1: I read this right, they they're in Afghanistan.
2: Not all of them. Some of them are remotely. Some are remote some doing are all there. the call, Yeah, but yeah. some
1: are there going in there. Around the country to get people out. Now we have Tony Blinken who's going to go do some diplomacy. I'd rather have the Pineapple Express out there getting people in in the in the dead of night and getting them out. Now of course they can't get them to an airport because there's nothing to fly out of an airport. But you know, you can't get them to Pakistan. You can't get them out of the country. Right? They'll get them to
2: other parts of the country, and they'll get them out. And I'm sure what they'll end up doing is having to send in, you know, planes, other parts of the country, or helicopters. But yeah, I mean, you compared the, the clip we played earlier. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan saying, "Oh, we'll, you know, the government will communicate with you via social media and texting and calling." It's like that's all good and well, but who's actually going to get me out? Some State Department pinhead? No. Or some Special Forces guy who's going to make it happen with Special Forces guys in Afghanistan. Much better situation there.
1: God God bless Glenn Beck, what he did and what these people are doing to, to help Americans get out of Afghanistan. That's
2: going to do it for us this week on The Weekend Answer. Remember, you can find us on the air, online, on the podcast. Keep it here all week. And don't forget, get your tickets to Town Hall 2021 coming up in a couple weeks. We'll see you then.